Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. You're listening to Theater in College Hoops. I'm Subi. Solo this week. No Taylor. No Shark. No worries, though. We got a great episode coming for you today. We sit down with an associate head coach for one of the teams that had one of the most epic conference tournament title games. And we talked to him about their NCAA tournament game where they were a 15 seed. We'll get to that here in just a moment. Uh, But it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun as we careen into the college basketball season. They will tip off uh, Monday, November 7th. And they're a team that's very exciting. They're a team that's certainly building something. Been to the NCAA tournament two of the last four years, which is a big deal for this program. So I'm excited for you guys to listen to that. It was a lot of fun. um, And we'll get to that, like I said, shortly. Of course, we are brought to you by Royal Digital Marketing, a.k.a. RDM. RDM specializes in website development and digital marketing for small businesses and startups. So if you need a website, contact them at Colin at RoyalDigital.co. That's C-O-L-I-N at RoyalDigital.co. We're brought to you also by the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go subscribe on whichever device it is that you use. Make sure to check out the website at theaterandcollegehoops.com. And always, always follow us on Twitter at CBB Theater. You can also follow me at Subi232 to find out where the feet is. And make sure to follow Taylor at Taylor Dammel. And the shark at the underscore shark underscore BB. Let's open the curtains. Happy Halloween, folks. Happy Halloween. Spooky season is here. I actually forgot to mention in the intro who the College Hooper of the Week is. This week, it's Bruce Bowen. Uh, That should give you a little hint as to what our episode today is centered around. Bruce Bowen, of course, probably most noted for his defense in the NBA with the Spurs. He was on the Celtics as well. But Bruce Bowen, part of that early dynasty of the San Antonio Spurs. But you'd be hard-pressed to remember or 
know where Bruce went to college, and that's Cal State Fullerton. That's right. Cal State Fullerton, not necessarily known for producing a ton of NBA talent, but the reason Bruce Bowen was our college hooper of the week is because we have associate head coach for the Cal State Fullerton Titans, Anthony Santos, on today. What a blast of an interview. This guy, much like our previous guests, just super energetic, incredibly nice, outgoing, had some terrific stories for us, went into great detail, great insight about the conference tournament title game against Long Beach State. I don't know if you folks remember that, but it was a one-point win for the Titans where they pretty much suffocated Long Beach State on the final possession where they didn't even get a shot off. That's one of the best ways to walk off a win. Of course, a a buzzer-beating shot, a buzzer-beating three is probably the most exciting play in college basketball. But from a defensive standpoint, I don't know if it gets much better than a loose ball on the ground around midcourt. Your team scrambles for it, shot clock's winding down, and you pretty much know that the game is in hand and the game is over and you've punched your NCAA tournament ticket. And that's exactly what Cal State Fullerton did. Anthony Santos, one of the rising stars in college basketball, he's got a wonderful journey, coaching trajectory, a ton of hard work, and he's pretty much done it with one program. He had some other offers uh, to a bigger school in Michigan State as a grad assistant, but chose to stick around at, at Cal State Fullerton. And like I said in the intro, they're building something. Two of the last four years They've been to the NCAA tournament. And like I said, that's a huge deal for a program like Fullerton, mostly known for their baseball. But the basketball program out in the Big West Conference, certainly building something. And Anthony probably uh, reciprocated the most. And what I mean by that is he, he said he listened to a lot of our podcasts. He listened to a lot of our interviews. And for that, we greatly appreciate it. Uh, because we understand how busy guys like him, guys like uh, guys in the business, guys in the coaching business are. We understand how preoccupied they are with getting their team better with the gym sessions, practices, weight room, all of that stuff. Uh, but he carved out time to listen to us. And I think he was really grateful for the amount of assistant coaches we've had on the amount of young guys we've we've really had. He mentioned names like Jeremy Pope who we had on at Portland. He mentioned names like Ruben Williams. Uh, I think Ruben's like 23, 24, doing a terrific job at Arkansas, and they're poised to have a great season. So I want to thank Anthony for listening to us and really appreciating what we do. I think it's pretty neat and it's pretty cool, especially to consider where where we came from a couple of years ago. So Anthony, I appreciate that. Um, Not much else I got for you. I think we're all really poised, prepped, ready for the college basketball season. A lot of lists have been coming out, preseason All-American team, which I touched on last episode, Carl Malone list came out. Uh, We may have to find a different name for the Carl Malone list. uh, If you know, you know. But a lot of these preseason lists are coming out. Uh, We're getting some some lists about who's going to win each conference. We're getting final four sleepers, which I can appreciate. You got to do the content, but it's really a crapshoot at this point. Uh, I don't know if anyone at St. Peter's going to the elite eight, making those that deep of a run. It's because the college, college basketball sport has 
the most unpredictable, amazing postseason. There's, I don't necessarily like to put a ton of effort into preseason lists. You can call me a coward for not going out on a limb. Of course, we're going to have our projections next week. So I'm probably, I'm probably conflicting myself and being hypocritical, but at the end of the day, no one really knows shit. I, I hate to break it to you guys. You don't know shit. Okay. It's like that scene in wedding crashers where Claire doesn't want to marry Bradley Cooper's character sack. She tells him that. And Bradley Cooper basically just says, you don't know shit. That's kind of how I feel to everyone uh, covering college basketball, including myself. So let's get into this interview with Anthony Santos. A lot of fun. Like I said, I really hope you guys enjoyed it. I know I enjoyed it uh, and, and enjoyed speaking with him. Let's go ahead and get to this interview with associate head coach of the Cal State Fullerton Titans, Anthony Santos. All right, we now welcome to Theater and College Hoops associate head coach for the Cal State Fullerton Titans. My pleasure to welcome in Anthony Santos. Anthony, how you doing, man? We are right around from TIP, okay, SDSU, I believe you have first uh, lined up on November 7th. How's everything been? You're entering the season here. It's it's been good. First, uh, obviously, thanks for for having me on here. I've I've listened to several other guys speak, especially those West Coast guys, and so uh, just trying to represent the West Coast well. Um, but yeah, like you mentioned, uh, the we tip off against San Diego State, and that is not going to be an easy feat. We played them last year. Thought we competed. Obviously, a whole new team this year for us. They have a bunch of new guys, but they still return a lot of their core, and so. Um, it, it should be good. It should be competitive. It'll tell us where we are um, and hopefully where we where we have to uh, move move towards to be able to go back to back NCAA tournament appearances. So that's right. That's right. We're going to get into all of that. And I'm going to be tweeting out clips uh, after this episode drops because it's imperative, especially with this interview. You guys can't see it when you're listening to it, but you'll see it on Twitter. We got the Big West Tournament Champion banner behind you there, Anthony. What'd you, t- what'd you tell me, man? Nobody's taking this away, right? Nobody is taking that away from me. I don't, I don't care what office I'm in. This, this, this sign is coming with me to carry it back on the bus. Um, yeah. Just, just want to remind everybody who passes by the office that, that we did that. What an incredible journey it was for the Titans last year, winning that tournament. We're going to get into that title game against Long Beach state. We're going to get into your game against Duke as well, but when I start with the journey, I got to know about your personal journey, Anthony. It's been a pretty meteoric rise, but one that has certainly accumulated over time. Can you take us honestly all the way back to when you were a student and how you got into coaching to where you are today with that banner sitting behind you? Yeah, I, I had no idea that I wanted to coach. Uh, it was just something that that kind of happened. Ended up coaching or first started coaching at my alma mater. Uh, was there for a little bit and realized like I want to I want to coach at a higher level or at least want to be a part of something at a at a higher level and so I was a manager for my last year as an undergrad here at Cal State Fullerton um, under Coach Burton. I actually was going to leave. I was um, I was I was planning on on taking a uh, graduate student role, not not a GA with the men's team, but uh, being a grad student at Michigan State. And so I was actually in East Lansing. I just got out of a, a visit with the counselor and I got a call from at the time it was our uh, 
uh, associate head coach Andy Newman, and he he just said, "Hey, man, I know you're looking for a job. Like, we want to have you here." And so that kind of just spearheaded its own thing. I, I obviously was a director of operations here while being a full time grad student, while teaching a class while officiating intramurals um and so i did a lot in my first two years obviously or that that first year um after that first year he was not retained he was the interim at at that time and so now coming to play my current boss uh Deidre taylor and it's funny when i was coaching high school he was actually at arizona state and he was recruiting a kid that we played against um at at sarah high school in gardena and so that's where I first got introduced to him. Now, he didn't remember that, but, you know, chips fell where they may and and, and people kind of connected the dots for us. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, but it, I will say his first year here, he did not really mess with me. He, I was part of the old regime. Um, and I think I think halfway through the year, he he and the staff realized that myself and our video coordinator, Aaron, Aaron Lawrence at the time, were guys that were just that knew the program and sure enough, he welcomed us in and uh, we kind of took it from there. And so, you know, obviously years passed, um, there was a staff position open. Uh, I was not elevated up at first Uh, the following year, that same position opened up and, and he elevated me to that. And I will forever remember my first year as an assistant going to the NCAA tournament um, in 2018. So happened so, so quick. Um, and for me as a young man, young assistant first year, I wanted to get back to that. And everything I worked for was to get back to that. And it was mainly for myself, you know, like just selfishly, I wanted to say like, no, that wasn't a fluke. That wasn't just a team that we had. It wasn't just those two other assistants that we had who are now head coaches. It was a collective thing. And, and to be able to go back in this past year, um, was definitely a surreal feeling and, and, and really I want to experience it again. Did you ever think in your first NCAA tournament game with you being part of the staff after that game, no matter the the loss, that's all right. But did you ever think you'd be shaking hands with coach K? No, no. I mean, it was actually, it was, it's, it was probably one of the better moments. Like you're going to be a part of history. You know, one, you are a part of history knowing that you went to the tournament and represented the conference, but to to know you're playing Coach K, like I rather I have that over over anything. Obviously, you want to win the game, and I thought our guys uh, put them put ourselves in position to win from a preparation, from a com- competitive standpoint. Um, and we just we put all our chips out there, and we, you can never be mad at a group that does that. Um, and then you know just just whenever they talk about Coach K and his Coach K and his legacy, they're gonna men- they're gonna mention Cal State Fullerton. Um, as as the first team that he had to put his put his resume and his career up against to, to finish his his uh his his rise. Let me tell you something, man. I wouldn't be surprised if in a footnote or whenever they write his or when he writes his autobiography or whatever, it says, you know, I actually retired because this young man Anthony Santos comes right. up and he's on the bench and he's he's helping to spearhead this Cal State Fullerton team to to tournament berth. I was like, this is a young man's game now. I got to go. Anthony's coming for me. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's 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 definitely surreal just to be able to go up against some of the guys that you always watch on TV, you know, that are whether it's the tournament game or not. It's it's, you know, coaches like that are legendary. And, you know, you you always want to take take those and, and make sure you remember them and just kind of store them like those. Those are memories you can't ever forget. 
I want to unpack your answer uh, when I asked you about your your trajectory in coaching. And you had initially said, look, Coach Taylor maybe wasn't as familiar with me. That might be putting it lightly. And you had mentioned that you he came to understand your familiarity with the program. Was there anything else that you think you did to sort of get over that hump with Coach Taylor and have and, and open his eyes to be like, hey, this guy can be a real asset. What were some of the things that you did that you think you did? Uh, the biggest thing for me was I was in I was there to help win whatever that looked like and it was different from one one regime to the other um and so that's that's all I cared about you know obviously I was a student I was hoping to find my way the following year once I graduated um and that's I didn't I didn't have any hidden agenda all I wanted to do was help him win um do a good job to where I it would help me moving forward and it was funny, actually, halfway through the year or maybe, yeah, maybe in January, um, he re- he realized, you know, like I said, he that we we could do something. And so he found a way to get me paid as a director of operations. Um, and and mind you, the director of operations at Fullerton was never paid before. I was the first employee at, or so supposedly I was the first to get paid in that role. Everyone in that role previous was a was a grad student that um, that used the director of operations as their job, but obviously didn't get compensated for it. So they used it as their experience. So I was the first to to get paid in, in that. And, you know, we've had guys ever since. And it's, it's always been a blessing to be able to um, see guys in that position and then see them move on and be successful. Taking it back a, a, even a few more steps, did you get any pushback from friends or family or outside noise regarding that decision to stay at Cal State Fullerton as opposed to going to Michigan State? And this is no disrespect to Cal State Fullerton, but on the surface, some people might say, man, that's Michigan State, Anthony. Did you get any sort of blowback on that? No, and it was really just something that I kind of kept to myself. You know, I when going through the whole grad school process and applying – I always wanted to go to Michigan State. And so when I got accepted, it was a big deal for me. I didn't really showboat to everybody. Um, I went I went out there, visited the campus. Uh, it was me and my mom. And I was like, man, I, I want to do this. Obviously, you know, then I, once I got there, I was like, okay, I'm going to see if I can be a GA and how I can be involved. Uh, obviously, didn't get to that point. But I wouldn't, I really would not have changed it because of, of where I am today and and the success and growth that I've been able to have, you know, up until this point. And, and I've grown and seen success and I selfishly want more. I mean, it's been a brilliant decision, I would say, Anthony. I mean, and look, like I said, looking at where you're at now, you can only continue to rise and you're clearly building something, something there at Cal state Fullerton. And I want to get into some story time here because last year was a remarkable, tremendous season for the Titans. You played a key role in that. Let's get into some details, though, and let's start with that Long Beach title game, okay? The the Big West title game, man. This was a loopy, crazy game. I have always said, Anthony, that, of course, March Madness is the peak. It's the best. But what goes under the radar are the title games and the conference tournaments that happened right before it. You get such crazy theater in those. And this title game was, was the epitome of theater. Okay. So what was the mindset first and foremost of the team going into a do or die game for you guys? 
Yeah, I, I, we had a mission. At the end of the day, we had a mission. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna take it a little further back what our mission was, but you know we were picked seventh in the league last year, preseason. Um, we finished second, I think, one game behind you know Long Beach, whatever. And 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 the everyone's season played out how it played out. Obviously, COVID this and that. Um, so obviously kudos to to Long Beach for being able to win the regular season and one of our guys EJ Anisiki you know we all felt that he was the best player in the league just from a dominating you know game planning standpoint and you know but we didn't win the league and so he didn't get that MVP trophy or MVP award uh, however you want to call it and really a different version of our team came out and it was spearheaded by him and really, we were on a mission from the first round game against Davis to the second round versus Hawaii and then to the championship versus Long Beach. And our team just set aside their differences. You know, you wouldn't looking at our record and looking at the streaks that we were on, you wouldn't believe that our there was so much rift between our teams. Obviously, winning um, mask it all. But there was we got after it in practice. We were super competitive. Guys were jockeying for positions throughout the year. You know, normally there's a pecking order and there was, but guys were not satisfied. And I think that allowed us to be better, to challenge one another. And so now you come down to Long Beach where the whole game plan is to stop EJ, EJ, EJ. And now we have Damari hitting shots, Damari Milstead hitting shots, Trey Maddox hitting shots. Um, and all these guys, part of the team, just contributing. And it was never a, I'm going to do this. It was a we. The effort was us. And I <laughs> I have not watched the game yet. Are you the kidding only, me? Yeah, I, I haven't even watched our 2018 championship game. Oh, my um, goodness. But I did watch a small uh, clip, the end of our the last possession Long Beach had. They didn't get a shot off. But it was something that we worked on and we talked about throughout the year was just the scramble, play hard, make up for one another's mistakes. And you watch that and you think, oh, like that you can tell that that's what we practiced. We did that, but there's an, another element or another layer to it. Like the guys have to go out and execute it. And guys didn't care who was where they were going to get the job done. And literally, it's, I have goosebumps thinking about it. Um but it was it was a special experience just because of the highs and the lows within a game. And I I don't want to watch it because I feel like I'll see me. But on the sidelines, like I'm I'm like trying to hype the crowd like up like we're in this game. And a lot of that was just my experience in 2019, having been blown out by Irvine. Um, and I wanted to keep our guys in it. So I would go down and, and give high fives and let them know, like, we're still in this game. We go up, continue to keep the crowd going. We go down, keep the crowd going, and, and our guys engaged. And, um, you know, we did that. As a group, we did that. You must have had endless energy because this dovetails beautifully into my next question. You're down 14 in the first half, man. Yeah. You're down 14, and it was the under four timeout of the first half where you guys really start building back some momentum, right? We talk about it all the time. Just get to half, maybe single digits. And then from there, it's a whole new half. But you were down 14 in the first half. Then under four, there's a timeout, right? The, the under four timeout. Do you remember what was said in that timeout, in that regroup, to help elevate your team to chip away 
and eventually win this game. Because in my estimation, that was the turning point. I want you to take me inside the huddle, if you can, to that under four timeout. Yeah, no, we just, we talked about ending the half strong. These last four minutes, regardless of what the score is, let's just chip at it and let's be us. Let's let's make this game our game um, and take momentum. And, and we did that. Uh, a big thing that I was, that I guess I statted, or I would always go back and stat would be our last um, three minutes, two minutes of, of every game we played. And regardless if we were up or down, however we finished those last few minutes, the result favored our way. Um, I think I want to say we maybe lost one game where we ended the half well. And so we just kind of stuck with that theme and and really kind of rolled with it. And we knew, you know, for us, and this is our our confidence in 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 our swagger in in our program, but we knew Long Beach at that point was not better than better than us the way they showed um and even leading up to that we knew Long Beach was going to be susceptible to being beaten because if you look at all their games leading up to the tournament they were all close they had barely beaten uh Santa Barbara I believe on on a buzzer beater and so um you know everything for them was right at the end and it was only fitting that it was right down at the end and for us it was a stop and that was something that we always talked about was just stops being consistent at it it's very interesting that you mentioned that you tracked how your team performed essentially under four uh in the first half maybe even the the game as well what do you think that tells about the team what do you draw from that what does that mean and what does that tell the nation about your team that you're winning these four minute stretches at 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 the end of halves yeah it's, it's just a momentum Regardless of the score, you know, we always say we're coming out 0-0, but it's a momentum. It's a feel good. You know, we've we've had games where we've gone into the half not doing so well, you know, at Hawaii, at Riverside. So we know we know what that feeling is. And us as coaches compartmentalizing that and coaching our guys to be better in those areas. Um, And so um, it's just it's just information. You know, it's it's I don't think you can ever substitute the numbers, the numbers are what they are. You know, Ken Palm, I think, going in supposedly didn't really have us. They had us, like, as the fourth or fifth best team to win the conference tournament. And we're like, we were just picked, we just finished second. And we 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 played well against pretty much everybody in league. And so, you know, we just throw throw that stuff out. We we know you have to win on the court. Now numbers and, and that type of stuff play itself well, but we were we were playing to our strengths. Absolutely. And so you had alluded to that last possession. I would describe it best as chaos. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I, look, I'm sure it was nerve wracking for you guys, but as a neutral observer, I'm watching that. And my blood pressure is rising with each Long Beach pass a little bit to the left. There's bodies flying everywhere. Okay, so we're going to get to that last possession. But the lead up to that was a little sloppy. I don't know if you remember this, but I want to tell uh, the the audience essentially what happens, right? 38 seconds left. Long Beach uh, hits a three to make it 72 to 71. From there, you guys turn the ball over. Then Long Beach turns it over. Uh, Milstead gets a steal. You call timeout. There's a foul on Long Beach. Milstead misses the free throw. Don't remind me. (laughs) And then I'm just saying, like, that was just classic chaotic 
college basketball at the end. And then of course the very last possession where you don't even allow them to get a shot. Um, yeah. Take us through those last 40 seconds leading up to that crazy possession. Yeah. I mean, with every turnover to, to this point, you know, like <laughs> I'm always, if, if you're sitting next to me on the bench, I'm always like exhaling. Cause I, I get so strung up in the game and the intensity. And so I'm, I'm trying to calm myself down. Um, you know, Damari missed those free throws. And I'm like, there's no way. <laughs> there's no way. But, you know, everyone on our team had his back. Um, and and we got that stop. You know, it, and it was nothing that we didn't practice other than that guys played hard. Um, they gave their effort and they were super disruptive, um, whether it was with their voice, their body. And that's just something, once again, that we we talk about. Now, does it always show? No, but in that moment, it was a, it was, it was what we practice being in adverse situations. You know, that's what we, we do at end of game stuff in practice that we build in is this happens. What are you going to do now? And it's all in an effort to learn and be able to make decisions um, and, and be unified as a group. Like, yeah, in practice, it doesn't matter, but to be able to understand the situations you're in and be able to talk about it moving forward, you know, you, you build up, a level of confidence knowing which what you're going to do, whether it's a stop, whether it's executing um, an, an offensive scheme, whatever it is, we have built up, we had built up enough, uh, I guess, chemistry or hours or time to be able to lead up to that point. And, and it was definitely, uh, I know I, you see the guys run onto the floor. I, I know I did not run it. Cause I was like, it was a sigh of relief for me. I just was like, thank God it's over. Thank God we came out on top. Um, like, who, who am I going to see first? <laughs> Man, there there are not a lot of better ways to win a college basketball game than getting a stop. It's not like a a, a shot where the opponent gets a shot off and you got to look at it from a certain angle. Hopefully it clangs out. There's not many, many better ways than when there's like a loose ball on the ground around midcourt and you know they have zero chance of picking it up throwing it up so you can just run off uh, with it. So I was happy for the players, but you got to take me now into the locker room and what it felt like to punch your ticket to the dance and what it, what it was like celebrating uh, with all of those guys that had been through the trials and tribulations, like you mentioned that had been picked seventh preseason. And yet here you are standing going to March madness. Take us through essentially the moment that final buzzer sounds, uh, essentially through selection Sunday, even though you knew you were going to the tournament, what was selection Sunday like as well? Take us through that whole uh, week, I guess, or a couple yeah. days. I yeah. Obviously once, once it ended, you know, we're all on the floor celebrating pictures, uh, videos for me, it was a lot of, it was a lot of hugs. Um, it was a long year and um, I'm going to skip around, but like in the inside of our rings, our championship rings, it has dreams and nightmares. Um, because that is exactly what what our season was. It was a lot of dreams coming true and a lot of nightmares. Um, is there so, is there a, a Philly representation? Yeah, there at all? Yeah, yep, yep. No, and I'm saying what, like, is anyone from Philly no, on your roster? No, okay. no. It was just it was literally blasting in the arena. I think it was when we were playing Hawaii, and no one said anything. But like we were the whole team was vibing to the music, to the beat and was singing along. And it wasn't just our it was our staff, our managers like we were all in unison. 
And so that kind of at that point, that kind of took on its own, I guess, theme. Um, and we kind of ran with it, you know, like this is this is what dreams and nightmares are made out of. Um, but, you know, after the floor, obviously being able to exchange hugs and with with admin, with my parents, uh, with coach. Coach was a big one for me because, you know, that's 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 my guy. I think everyone in, in the league on our staff knows that. Um, so being able to to share a hug with him at half court after the game was was big. Um, and then really just just going back and, and enjoying it. You know, one thing throughout the conference. So we, we were in Vegas throughout the conference tournament was uh, talking about rings. And so from 2018, actually, I just I got our ring sizes. Oh. And so. I just remember that first, the first game against Davis, you know, guys didn't know, we always talked about getting hardware and, and rings, this and that. And, you know, being able to bring this thing out and, and let, and pass it around, let guys figure out what ring size they are. You know, I thought that was, I thought that was a big deal. And then on the, as we did our pregame talk, I had this sheet and I still have it. I'm not going to pull it out because no one could see that, but um, our staff, our staff, we, we we basically gave a theme for every game, why we won, why we lost. And as it gets written out, you get to see what it is that we've done. And so for certain guys, it's going to bring back certain memories. And for every game, we had why we won, why we won. And and it was it was fun being able to write at the end of games why we won and why we did it and then celebrate in that. Because at the end of the day, we were all on we were all trying to get to one mission. You know, and so we obviously get back to the hotel and family, friends are there. And, um, you know, we just told the guys, hey, be be smart, be smart. We're here. Um, we still have more work to do. We still have to sell, continue to celebrate. Um, but then we also got to get ready. And so being able to have Selection Sunday back home was awesome. Just just everybody being there, the community being there um, and seeing our name called and then seeing us play against Duke it was it was fun it was fun to say the least yeah amazing amazing insight amazing story there so I I always ask the coaches this that have made the tournament and it 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 always comes top of mind were you guys trying to do anything in the way of gaining an advantage about a potential opponent so what I mean by that is were you guys looking at different bracketologies potential matchups that certain individuals or certain CVB insiders had you pitted against? Like, was there any of that? Or were you like, you know what, let's let the chips fall where they may. And we're the second Greg Gumble announces who we're playing. We're going to get to work on them. Yeah, no, that's, that's how it kind of played out. We didn't, at least I didn't, I didn't look because I used to be the type all, oh, oh, they have long beach playing. So-and-so they have us playing. So-and-so it's a lot of what ifs. Um, and so the last couple of years, I just I stopped looking. And then obviously, once we made the tournament, you know, people, friends are sending me texts and tweets that, oh, we can play Kansas. And I'm like, look, I don't care who we play. I'm just glad that we're playing because, you know, there's 350 so odd teams, uh, Division One. And obviously, our goal is to make it to postseason, regardless of what postseason is. But the, the goal is to get to, to the NCAA tournament and to be one of those, you know, few teams was, was obviously a big deal. Um, and so, no, I, I did not, I did not look, I purposely didn't. I just, I was glad to play, you know, we played Carson Edwards and 
um Haas I was like yeah okay cool we played those guys who's next you know just just to be thankful to be in that opportunity because you know Cal State Fullerton you don't get that a lot obviously we're known for our baseball um and now for coach Taylor to lead us for you know two out of the four years to to NCAA tournament is, is a big deal it is a huge deal and it's it's for guys like me it's a clear-cut case of a program building something Right. I'm sure you've said it amongst your coaches that you don't want to just be remembered as that one hit wonder from a few years back. But two out of the last four years, that's certainly building something. I want to go into that Duke game now, though. Okay. Yeah. We talked about the approach going into Long Beach and that conference title game and a do or die. You got to do or die again. This time it's against Duke. Tell us about the approach and what you were sharing with your team in the days leading up to that matchup. Yeah, it was uh, obviously with all due respect to Duke. Obviously, we're trying to prepare our guys and, and psych our guys up for it. Not that they needed to be psyched up for it, um, but made it very simple for them. Look, fellas, they they don't do anything that we haven't done um, or guarded. It's just our us executing our principles. And so, um, you know, getting to understand personnel, because for us, that, that's a big thing. So knowing that it came down to that. And then just being able to execute how we were going to attack them, um, not how we were going to stop them. That was part of it. But wanted to focus on how we were going to beat them and our attack, like how they had to guard us. Um, and, and our guys competed on that end. You know, we we received countless emails and texts. And one, everybody wanted us to beat Duke uh, like we were America's team. <laughs> I that. <laughs> um, but then after the game, obviously, we 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 put forth our effort and and we got a bunch of outreach and and emails about how hard we played and how you know we gave it our all and and they were they were happy to see us go up go up against a, a team like Duke but you know our guys talked about themselves they talked about how they lace their shoes up exactly how we do you know they throw on their jersey like we do you know we our jersey says Titans theirs says Duke what's what's the difference it's it's a name. You know, it's the people within the game on how you go about winning or losing or, or really just competing. And so our guys, our guys believed it. They bought into that. They didn't they didn't succumb to the fact that they're, you know, Duke. Um, and we just we went out there and gave our all. And that's really all you could ask. And even after the game, you know, we had our hugs. But once all once we got past that, there was celebrating because we knew what we did. And it's it's not a lot of there's not a lot of teams and not a lot of players that get to experience that. So definitely was happy for our group. Absolutely. And I think casuals, I, I, I don't necessarily like throwing that around, but casuals might just look at the final score and be like, they lost by 17. Well, if you break it down into halves, losing to Duke by, I think it was 10 and seven in, in 20 minutes is nothing to, to sneeze at. That's a very yeah. impressive effort. I mean, that's yeah. how I sort of look at it. Yeah, it was <laughs> Sitting down, because normally I'm up yelling what, whatever's going on, um, sitting down and having to look down the sideline and see Coach K mad at his group, um, I'm like, this is, wow, this is crazy. Um, and <laughs> even during, you know, while we were preparing for the scout, I was telling Coach, like, Coach, I know you're going to think I'm crazy, but we can beat these guys. Like, they don't do anything crazy. It's obviously personnel-based, but – if, if, if we hit some shots, like we're going to be able to, to be right in there. And I think what kind of woke Duke up was uh, once again, I haven't watched this game either. The first possession of the second half 
we get a steal and a layup. And we're jumping. We think we're in the game. And boom, they Duke <laughs> is there. They, they, they showed up. Yeah. So, well, you guys did as well. It was a, it was very, very good game. And I want to go a little bit further uh, into that game. And I suppose the whole tournament. Okay. So you played Duke. I know you haven't watched the game, but I can tell you right now that you played Duke on March 18th. Do you know what happened the night prior? Uh, yeah, another, uh, whatever. What see, were we 15th? You were a 15 another, versus a two. Another 15th. And it's funny. So in our film session, uh, the, the day of, you know, I showed all the 15s, not all, but some of the 15s. I just made a nice little edit of all the 15s uh, beating the two seeds. And then I put uh, the clip from before, I believe, St. Peter's. Yes. St. Pete's. Um, they had just won. And the commentator said that, you know, that whatever they said about them being the, the, the only 15th in the, the, the tournament so far to have won. And I ended it right there. And I just said, they're not going to be the only ones. Ooh. And it just it got it going. And I, I don't think guys like we were ready for that game. Not that we weren't before that point, but just to let our guys know that it was possible. And, and just to give our guys the confidence that, look, in, in Greenville, there's going to be another 15 alive. Let's, 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 let's go and handle our business. Now, let me tell you something, man. Between the rings, ring size thing that you did, uh, the editing, masterful editing that you did with the video, you guys are, are incredible at motivation. I got to give you that. I'm ready to run through a wall. And you know what? The You have to be motivated. I'm glad you mentioned that, hey, your team wasn't, it wasn't like they were just going trotting out themselves out there to get beat. They already wanted to win, but I, I was most curious about that St. Peter's game. Did it sort of change the tenor? Did you sort of see maybe an extra sense of belief? That's what I was curious about. Yeah. I think once our guys saw that uh, we were at dinner, but once they saw that on the ticker, they're like, Oh yeah. Like this is, this is for real. You know, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure all those guys had never been to a tournament before. Um, and so to be able to give them that experience and the confidence to know that we can do this, um, because, you know, I, I'll be honest for me, especially for me, you know, in 2018, when we went to it, I was just happy to be there. I was like, man, you know, I, I, that Purdue, that Purdue team we played against was really, really good. Um, and so going into Duke, I had a different mindset. And it's the the whole the whole parade of it slowed down and I was able to enjoy it. I was able to be present, you know, in our practice and shoot around times um, and really just really just just enjoy the whole the whole thing of it. Um, and win, lose the plane ride there, the plane ride back. Uh, it was it was definitely one to remember. And I think that's great perspective that you have, because if you look at your two opponents, a Duke team that essentially lost by five in the final four, right, on a last possession by Caleb Love. I'll, I'll count that as a last possession loss yeah. in the final four. Purdue probably should have been in the final four. They end up losing to eventual champion Virginia. I mean, you're not losing to guys that, that lost the next round or the Sweet 16. These are teams making incredibly deep runs. Yeah, one of the assistants, really good friends with him in our league, uh, he's like, man, you guys play all the, like, high profile teams we just play you know when they when they made it we just play you know so and so i was like 
that's a high profile game. Like don't, 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 don't take that for granted. But um, yeah, I mean, to obviously Duke in that storyline and um, Purdue and, and the big fella, I believe it was Haas and Carson Edwards, like that team was really, really good. Um, and all the teams, all these teams are really, really good. You know, you just given the situation and the opportunity and we, we were in those. Absolutely. You're a forward facing man. It's very evident, Anthony, in talking with you, like uh, We've said it a couple times. You haven't even looked at some of the past games, wins and losses. So I want to start talking about this upcoming season because there's a lot of encouraging news and encouraging stuff coming out of Fullerton. My biggest question to you, though, what do you take from last year to hopefully start building continuity towards being that perennial tournament team? You mentioned two out of the last four years. How do you maybe take that next step to where you guys are the, uh, the undisputed class of the big West? Is there anything you take from last year moving forward? Yeah, it's, it's how hard you have to compete. And it's not just when the lights are on, it's in practice. It's, it's in everything that we do, how hard you compete and um, how, how well you have to execute. And so, uh, you know, taking that into this year's group, for me, there is a different sense of urgency and a heightened edge not only because we open up with 19th rate San Diego state, but um, it's to set the precedent moving forward. And not a lot of these guys understand that, you know, yes, they're probably, they probably feel good because we're quote unquote, the, the, the defending champions, but that was last year when I'm not trying to rest on what happened last year. Um, you know, I want to move forward and do that again. I it's it's in my notes to to do, but I want to know the last 10 league champions and the last 10 um, NCAA tournament champions or not the NCAA, but the the conference tournament champions. And I want to be able to show that to our guys that teams don't repeat. You don't see, uh, especially in our league, there's so much parity that you don't repeat. It's not easy to repeat. And so to do that is you have to be special. You have to do something that is possibly not in your comfort zone. You know, you have to expose yourself. And so when I walk into practice, that's that's my edge, you know, and I didn't really learn that until, or I didn't really pick up on that until probably, you know, recently and seeing, I've seen the highs and the lows here. And so be able to come off from a high, I want to get right back up on that roller coaster and, and let's, let's start making our way back up. And do it never looks like wins all the time. It, you have to take a couple of losses to understand where you are as a team and where you need to go. And so my whole thing is being able to put our best foot forward and compete night in, night out. Um, and that's just obviously on the floor with, against one another and then whoever we're matched up against. Personnel is going to be critical. We're a grassroots podcast, right? And we've had a lot of mid-major representatives on this podcast you had mentioned Portland, Wyoming. I don't even know if I'm counting them as a mid-major. They're a damn good team and a yeah. tournament team. Uh, we just had head coach of Bryant University, uh, Jared Grosso, on. And I'm always curious to know who some of the better players are from these rosters that the country doesn't know, okay? A lot of people know about Drew Timmy. A lot of people know about Marcus Sasser at Houston, right? Armando Baycott. Can you tell us, Anthony, who are some names that we're probably unfamiliar with today, but come January and February, you need to be scouting them for when you're 
picking Cal State Fullerton in postseason play. Who are some of those guys for you on the Titans? Yeah, one guy, and he, you'll never see high numbers or, or, or anything like that from, from a statistic standpoint, but Torrey San Antonio, he was a unsung – he's always been an unsung hero for us because he does everything. He cuts, he rebounds, he, he, he guards the team's best defender or best uh, offensive player. Um, he's a guy that obviously I give credit to because he's grown within our program and he just, he, he's super, he's just selfless. You can't ever root for a guy like that, but you know, guys who, who were with us last year, Latrell Wrightsell uh, was a starter for us last year, uh, expecting a, a big year from him. Jalen Harris, he was the sixth man of the year last year in our league. Um, he's, he has a different chip on his shoulder because he wasn't voted as an all league guy. And he takes that, you know, he takes that personal and as he should, you know, um, not to mention he was on the championship team as a sixth man of the year. And so um, you can, you can put the pieces to that one. Um, shoot. We actually have a, a, a division two guard who's, who's really good. He's still trying to get his bearings and figure out how exactly to play at our style and our level um, Max Jones. So, no, those those are probably some key pieces for us. You know, Vincent Lee was a starting five man for us last year, um, expecting big things for him in terms of a, a leadership and just establishing himself down low on the block. Um, and so a, a lot of these returners, they have they have a different amount of responsibility. Um, but we're not asking we're not asking them to do anything that they're not capable of doing. How much do you rely on those returners to maybe set the tone for the other guys that haven't experienced that success that you did last year? How much are you relying on them to sort of be uh, the, the coaches on the floor taking? I mean, it's very clear in talking to you directly that you want more. These guys, presumably the returners want more. Are you relying on them to sort of uh, re- reverberate that throughout the team? Yeah, no, it's it started with them and they coined the term run it back over the during the spring when we met all together. And we told them it was going to be incumbent upon them once these new guys started to show up in the summer. And then as we came together fully in the fall that they had to set the press, not with what their words were, but their actions. They had everyone that comes into our program or anyone anytime we go live and you match up against them, they have to see your habits and what it is that you're doing. And it has to make sure it aligns with how we want to win or how we want to play, how we want to defend, however you want to look at it. Um, and so they've, they've done that. And obviously we're not shying away from coaching them and holding them to the standard. Um, but we, we are super, we are a super competitive group and we will go as they go. You know, this, this is a player's program. Um, and we want to make sure that, you know, our guys lead. They, if they really want to get back to where they were last year, and be another champion, a 2023 champion, they have to do it with their actions. And it's an everyday thing. And obviously for, for us, the the repetitive the repetitiveness of practice kind of gets mundane. But if you really, really want to get to that level, like you have to be great at simple. Looking at your schedule, you have a really good schedule. And we already mentioned SDSU. You also got USC on the road. I was looking at those two games in particular. Anthony, do you measure those two games maybe a little differently in terms of how you measure your team or is it just always go out there, win the game? I mean, I'm I'm curious how uh, you're going to look at those two games and those performances specifically, I guess. Yeah, no, well, (laughs) you say a good schedule. I say it's a good schedule if you win games. (laughs) 
Um, but entertaining yeah. schedule for me is what I'm saying as a fan. Sorry. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think from a competitive standpoint, our schedule is really good in terms of the home, the away, the travel, you get all that to get ready for league. Um, but if you highlight, if you highlight the, uh, the San Diego state game, the USC game, those are teams once again, with experience playing in the postseason. So, you know, as you get to the postseason, particularly the NCAA tournament, those are the types of teams you're probably going to match up with. And how you fare against them will give you information about your team um, to when that time does come, you are prepared. You've, you've played a team like that. You've played at, you've opened up at San Diego State, ranked number 19 with a sold-out crowd. You know, um, even, even a team like Seattle, we're playing in an NBA arena. And it's once again to give these, the setting of this is this is what it's going to feel like. This is the type of venue that we're going to be in. Um, so our non-conference is set up one to prepare us for our league, but two to prepare us for um, the conference tournament, and then right after that. We had Chris Cap go on an assistant over at USC yep. earlier earlier this year. I'm I'm going to be torn when you two play each other. All right, uh, I can't can't be rooting for either of you guys, but I hope it's a fantastic game. But I mean, I know that's going to be a lot of fun. SDSU, that's in VA House, right? Yep. I mean, talk about a venue there, one of the best venues in America, certainly on the West Coast. So I'm, I'm very excited to see the way you guys play out your schedule. Anthony, I'm also really curious, and I'll get you out of here now on a few quick hitters, but sure. as a representative of a mid-major school, there's been a lot of talk recently about tournament expansion, increasing the number of teams that get to come to the dance. What do you think about that? I think it's great, you know, one, to be able to, to give – these young student athletes, these young men, the experience of what that's like. Um, I'd be very curious in terms of the makeup of what the expansion looks like and who really gets in. You know, are we catering more to some of the high majors that are good that should probably be in it? Or like, let's make it, you know, where, where it's an even playing field, you know, because we've seen different programs go out and win from a low major or mid-major standpoint, you know, case in point. Uh, St. Peter's last year, the run that they went on. So there's plenty of capable teams that can go out there and win. I mean, you, you look at a game like Murray State and, and San Francisco. I mean, those two teams, they could have easily played another team and won. Instead, they're playing each other. So there's a lot of there's a lot of teams and programs that deserve a chance, not just from a high major standpoint, but from teams at, at our level, you know, whether it's a low major, high major, high resource, low resource, whatever it is, um, there's there's plenty of good ball, plenty of good coaches. Um, and, and I think it's great for, for from an opportunity standpoint. Certainly, certainly. I think what I if they were to expand, what I would like to see is maybe the conference winner. Let's say, let's just take the Big West. Right. You win the regular season conference title. Mm -hmm. And then let's say Long Beach ends up winning the uh, title game, like the conference tournament title, maybe take both of those guys. You know what I mean? As opposed to just the AQ. Um, so it, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I, I love your perspective. I'm glad you were able to share that because uh, it's certainly a hot topic right now. Yeah. And, and for me as a young coach, I, I hope I'm, they consider me young still. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> I consider you young, man. But just just looking back, you know, like, man, my first year in the tournament was something super special to me. 
and to be able to, you know, hopefully give that opportunity to some of these other young and up and coming coaches, I think is, is a big time deal to continue to fuel them, but, you know, to, to give our youth and the up and coming guys, the, the GAs who want to be assistants and uh, the video coordinators and, and director of ops that want to be able to get onto the floor, an opportunity to be at that stage um, is definitely, is definitely one that I would want for everybody. Um, and obviously we, we want to compete to get there, but, you know, we, we all want to earn that, that right to be able to say we've been to a NCAA tournament. And now for me is I need, I want to win a game. That's the next step. That's certainly yeah. the next step. And we'll be looking at it. Hey, last couple items here. Uh, toughest place that you've had to coach in. What was the toughest, toughest environment? Place. Um, can I name two? Please do. Uh, at Washington, they had with Markel Fultz. I mean that it was the speakers were blaring. It was it was a it was it was jumping. Um, and then we were at Nebraska in 2019, sold out arena. I mean they even took our seats that we didn't even use. Um, and that just being in those types of environments were were fun. Alta, my instant reaction: Seattle, totally understand. UW games are crazy. Nebraska, I was a little uh, shocked about. I, I wouldn't yeah. have pegged Nebraska. Yeah, it was. We were one. We were almost not gonna make it, but two, it was literally sold out. Like that's all they talked about: sold out, sold out, sold out. And we had our allotment of say forty tickets. We probably only used eight, and they. It was just a sea of red. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Those are those are some great answers. Uh, I'm curious to know your answer on this. In a year or two. That's how high I, highly I think of you when you're a head coach. All right. You got a players coming into your huddle. We're up seven or excuse me. We're up three with seven seconds left. Do we foul up three no. opponents ball? Oh, opponents ball. Okay. So we're up three, seven seconds opponents ball. No, I mean, my whole thing is, um, see see what they do they got to adjust to our our defensive schemes whether we trap whether we switch um obviously i hope that we're doing a good job in terms of knowing tendencies but i'm gonna let it play out as long as the biggest emphasis no fouls and no threes no fouls no threes well your track record shows that the opponent doesn't even get a shot up you'll just you'll just get a loose ball in the middle of court yeah exactly and that's literally that's what we practice that's what we practice since the fall um, and that's still what we're working on now. And it's never perfect. But once again, you put yourselves in those situations uh, for times like that. Yeah. I'm going to get you out of here on this. It is kind of putting you on the spot, but it, it's what we ask every single one of our guests who are gracious enough to have as amazing stories and, and insight that you were able to provide us, Anthony. We call it bring them up on stage. Is there any colleague any friend, any uh, former coach that you were associated with, literally anyone in the college basketball space that you can recommend to us to reach out to and uh, bring them up here on Theater and College Hoops? Uh, yeah, I will say a good friend. We, we talk a ton. Um, he, he'll be a head coach soon, uh, but Brandon Dunson at Stanford. Uh, we worked together here at Fullerton for two years, Um He's he he will do he will make an impact being at Stanford just because of how he works and goes about his business. And then if I can throw it another one, um, Jay Duncan, uh, he's at San Francisco, was at SMU before. Uh, we've been really good friends since 
way back. Our strength coach was an Australian, and they, he, he kind of connected us both. Um, Jay is a is a Villanova product, a JUCO product. Um, and so now he's at now he's at San Francisco and made the made the trek out west. It's 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 different. Weather's different up there, but we we talk a ton, and he's definitely a good friend in the business. Both those guys, among some other guys, are are good people in the business. But just trying to show the love to the West Coast. Incredible references, Anthony. Thank you so much. First and foremost, Brandon Dunson over at Stanford. They got a stew brewing over there, especially with Harrison Ingram. Okay, yes, like I'm, I, I'm an Arizona guy. Uh, I went there, and and every time we play Stanford, especially in Tucson, Harrison Ingram and Stanford, they give you hell, and they did. I think in the tournament, a, a conference tournament as well. So they're going to be on the lookout for sure. Jay Duncan, so funny you brought that up. Now I don't want you to think that. Uh, I put you in a pile with a hundred people that I reached out to, but I did reach out to Jay Duncan. He got back to me. Uh, I think he was in Texas doing some recruiting. Uh, we're, we're working it out, trying to get him on. So this may put him over the top. I'm going to be like, yo, Anthony hit, hit, told me yeah. to reach out to you now as well. Yeah, no, do that. And if he does not get on, let me know. Cause I will make sure he gets on and, I hope I no one gets mad if anyone listens to to me speak, but like I have a, a bunch of names. There's a bunch of young guys out there that I, I talk to and that I, you know, just have a great relationship with. And so if you need any other names, you know, guys on our staff, guys that I've worked with before, like I have a ton of names just because I think it's important to to be connected to to guys that are that are, you know, my age, because um, we're on this thing together. Hundred percent, Anthony. You're too kind, man, and so generous for jumping on. We have each other's numbers, so uh, I may be a pest and say, "Hey, if if Brandon and Dunson, if we can't, or Brandon and Jay, if we can't make that work, I might hit you up for some more names." And I'd love to highlight as many young guys in the coaching sphere who are such high level rising talents like yourself. Thanks so much for jumping on and sharing some stories. I appreciate it, man. Thanks, thanks for having me on. It's been fun. Uh, definitely can't wait to. Hear this, hear this on the podcast. Yeah. Hey, we'll see you on the 7th in VA house. Best of luck this season. Thanks, man. Have a good one. Okay. We want to thank Anthony again for jumping onto the program. Like I said, what a fun interview that was. Some great detail. I really, really enjoyed him taking us into the huddle of that Long Beach State game under four timeout. Like that's That's exactly where the game changed. They were down 14 to have the wherewithal, the poise, the confidence, and the toughness to come back from a double-digit lead late in the first half and then take the second half by storm, eventually winning. I think there's an added layer of pressure for teams like Cal State Fullerton because you can have a great season. They finish second in the conference. But if you don't win the conference tournament, you're not going to go to the NCAA tournament. And so when you see yourself down 14 – there's an added layer of pressure for sure. And I'm sure there was an added layer of pressure for Long Beach State who won the regular season Big West title. And I thought that was just awesome to, to hear about how they really track uh, how their team performs in the last four minute, minutes of halves. And I think it's a great barometer of, of a team's toughness and mental fortitude. I also really enjoyed his perspective on the Duke game. And of course, the journey that Cal State Fullerton is on and what exactly 
they're building. It was just a really fun episode. And like I said, one of the genuinely good guys that it's so easy to root for Anthony Santos, the way I would best describe him is he wants more. He said that a couple times. He wants more. He wants, he's not, he's not just content to sit on and rest on his laurels. He wants more wins. He wants more conference titles. He wants more NCAA tournament berths. And obviously you can say that for everyone in the business, but that, was the biggest thing that came through the screen came through the audio with Anthony. You know how the SEC says, Hey, it just means more Anthony Santos. He wants more. That's how I would best describe it. So hat tip to Anthony. Want to thank him as well. We will be following the Titans on their journey this year and wishing him the best of luck. Okay. Today is Halloween folks. I don't know. I'm just, I'm I'm kind of neutral on Halloween. We got Thanksgiving right around the corner, which I like, and then Christmas, which is always a blast. Halloween, um, I enjoy the trick-or-treating aspect. I love seeing the kids out, and and it's a lot of fun. I got two nephews now. We're going to go trick-or-treating later tonight. We got the dog, three dogs, actually. We're going to use a wagon. It's going to be beautiful. I am going to be dressed up in lederhosen. And we're dressing our dog up in a uh, beer maid outfit. I think it's very cute. Let me get that off my chest. I'm sure you guys don't care. But in the spirit of Halloween, I wanted to think up some of the most shocking, horrifying, terrifying, scary moments in college basketball. Now, these range from injuries, which, of course, I don't want to make light of, to just epic collapses uh, from certain teams to sort of brain farts, basically moments that take your breath away and are frightening. Okay. So the first one I'm going to start with, because it was the very first thing that came to my mind when I was in the shower, Kevin Ware's injury for Louisville. Again, not making light of this whatsoever. Terrifying injury. His bone was sticking out in that uh, tournament game. I mean, I remember just just having to look away from the TV. There, that was one of those moments where I had to go take a little lap around my house, maybe make a sandwich, grab a drink. I could not stand to see uh, that Kevin Ware injury. And I think I think networks are getting better at this, which is to limit the replay of these grotesque, gruesome injuries. Uh, I think the most recent one was the Tua injury a couple weeks ago on Thursday night football against the Bengals probably could have done a better job of, of not replaying that. But I remember the Kevin Ware injury. I feel like they kept showing it and they showed the bone sticking out and they kept showing the bench reactions. And I was like, please stop, please stop. Give me one of those commercials that runs incessantly during the NCAA tournament. But that Kevin Ware injury, certainly scary. Um, The next one, it wouldn't be a theater and college hoops episode if I didn't somehow shoehorn Arizona into this Arizona blowing a huge lead against Illinois to go to the final four uh, in 2005. Horrifying. Any Arizona fan will tell you that that collapse haunts them to this day. I don't know if there is a more spooky incident in Arizona basketball history than that one right there blowing a huge lead against Illinois, who then eventually fell to the national champions in North Carolina but when you're when you're on the road, uh, essentially on the road, I think they were playing at DePaul. Obviously, that's in Chicago, Illinois contingent. That was a house of horrors. And 
Illinois until they Arizona really exercised those demons the past two years. They've beaten them the last two years in that home and home. Uh, they were the boogeyman. They were the boogeyman. And I think right now the Arizona's boogeyman, if I were to guess, is uh, Wisconsin. So Arizona blowing that huge lead. Next one, Jerome Lane, Darwin, uh, Darwin Ham, excuse me, and Shaq shattering the glass. Always want to make sure no one's hurt with the glass falling down, but those are just scary, scary plays. Shaq, one of the most intimidating dudes to ever step foot on a college basketball court or just a basketball court in general. Darvin Ham at Texas Tech tearing down the glass. And then, of course, the iconic call send it in Jerome. Jerome Lane breaking the glass. That was pretty terrifying. And it it's a scary, scary look into how athletic and strong these guys are. Now I want to shift to scary teams. 2008 North Carolina in 2020 Baylor. That 2008 North Carolina team was an absolute buzzsaw. It didn't matter who was standing in their way. They were going to get the job done. Okay. Uh, run from it, fear it, dismiss it, whatever you want to do. That 08 Carolina team was coming for you and they were going to kill you. Essentially. Uh, I think they went wire to wire that year as the number one seed or the number one team in the country to start the season. And then it culminated with a win in Detroit against Michigan state, the fan favorite, but Tyler Hansborough leading the way uh, they Rashad, uh, I don't know if Rashad McCants was on that team. Excuse me. Um, maybe it was Raymond Felton. I, I know for a fact, Hansborough was on that team, but that Carolina team was certainly frightening. And then 2020 Baylor, you could really make a case those two, that two-year stretch for the Baylor Bears. I think they lost four games in two years and then just completely dismantled an undefeated Gonzaga team in the title game. Man, that team, that team would put the fear of God into you, okay? Toughness, athletic, shooting, speed, uh, Mark Vital down low, right? Macy Oteague. These guys... These guys were ter- ter- Davion Mitchell, man, doesn't get scarier than 2020 Baylor. So those two teams, I think in the past, let's say 15 years or so, they were scary. I suppose you could put the back-to-back champs as in Florida in that list, but I, I don't know if I've seen a level of dominance over the course of a season and also tournament than, than those guys. Uh, another spooky boogeyman sad almost type of uh, scenario Virginia losing to UMBC becoming the very first one seed to lose to a 16 when they were the prohibitive favorites not only to win the national title but to kind of steamroll that tournament field people forget Virginia wasn't the fourth number one seed they were the overall number one so losing that UMBC game must have been terrifying for the uh, Cavalier faithful, must have been gut-wrenching for them. Of course, they exercised that demon the next year in one of the greatest turnarounds in sports history. You talk about the Redeem Team doc that came out about the 08 USA basketball national team. I think I need a documentary on Virginia, starting from that loss to UMBC, 
going all the way up to uh, their national title win. And people forget they had a scary game against Texas Tech in the uh, in that title game, um, but they ended up winning it all. But that Virginia loss to UMBC, I'm sure for a year, was the most harrowing experience uh, for the Cavaliers. Next one on my list, Georgetown's Fred Brown throwing the ball to James Worthy in the national title game. Georgetown has the ball at the top of the key against North Carolina and brain fart, I suppose overwhelming Fred Brown throws it to James worthy. And that pretty much seals the game. I think that was also pretty much Michael Jordan's coming out party. So a lot was born from that game, but Fred Brown must've been seeing ghosts uh, like Sam Darnold used to say. So that was awful. Uh, And then Fred Brown, by the way, had a really good career. He was one of the nation's best at Georgetown. So scary to see that happen. Uh, And then last but not least, UConn Butler national title game. That was just a horrific display of basketball. I don't know if you guys remember, but for some reason that sticks out to me as the worst title game in a long time. You can make the case Baylor Gonzaga because it was a blowout, never really close, but it was at least fun to watch Baylor. It was fun. It was fun to watch Jalen Suggs, even on the other side. Drew Timmy, but that Butler UConn game was just a war of attrition. Not a lot of offense, ugly basketball, no real flow to the game. I don't know. I love college basketball. I'll pretty much get into anything. That game, admittedly, for an NCAA title game, that one was tough to get into because of the anemic offense and just how brutal it was to watch. It was all. It was almost gory, right? So those are my uh, scary, spooky, terrifying, haunting, harrowing moments that I can think of. Please send me yours. Tweet us at, at CBB Theater and, and, and try and get into the Halloween spirit, okay? We're entering the holidays here, and I can tell you this much, folks. I got about three weeks or so of hard work in me. When I say hard work, I mean for my day job because once Thanksgiving rolls around, I'm probably going to be checked out. And then there's that two week stretch between Thanksgiving to Christmas where I'm going to try and do my best, but then I'm checked out, baby. And I'm all in on college basketball. So send me some of your uh, scariest, scariest scenarios, scariest moments in college basketball. Try and avoid the injury stuff. I know I started off with Kevin Ware, but uh, we like to keep it light. Want to thank Anthony Santos one more time for jumping onto the program, wishing him and his Titans Best of luck, and we'll see you next time here on Theater and College Hoops. We're going to have some predictions. We're going to have some projections, which, again, bears repeating for the millionth time. We don't know shit, but on the off chance that we're right, then we're going to be two-stepping. Have a great Halloween, folks. Ain't this what they've been waiting for? You ready? Uh, uh. I used to pray for times like this, to rhyme like this, so I had to grind like that, to shine like this, in a matter of time I spent on some locked up shit, in the back of the paddy wagon, cuffs locked on wrist, see my dreams unfold, nightmares come true, it was time to marry the game, and I said yeah I do, if you want it you gotta see it with a clear eye view. Got shorty, she try and bless me like I said I'd chew Like a nigga sneeze, nigga please for them tricky squeeze I'm getting cream, never let them hoes get in between Or what we started, little nigga but I'm lying hearted They love me when I was stuck and they hated When I departed, I go and get it
regardless Draw like I'm an artist, no crawling Went straight to walking with foreigns in my garages Are foreign bitches menaging Fucking sucking and swallowing anything for a dollar They tell me get him, I got him I did it without an album I did shit with Mariah Love nigga, I'm on fire Icy as a hockey ring, Philly nigga, I'm flyer When I bought the Rolls Royce, they thought it was lease Then I bought that new Ferrari, hey, the rest in peace Hey, the rest in peace, rest in peace to the parking lot Phantom so big, can't even fit in the parking spot You ain't talking about my niggas, then what you talking about? Gangsters move in silence, nigga, and I don't talk a lot I don't say a word I don't say a word was on my grind and now I got what I deserve. Fuck nigga. Hold up, wait a minute. Y'all thought I was finished. When I bought the ass tomorrow, y'all thought it was rented. Flexing on these niggas, I'm like Papa on the spinach. Double M, yeah, that's my T Rose. the captain, I'm lieutenant. I'm the type of can of men casting, grind like I'm broke. That Lambo, my new bitch, she don't ride like my ghost. I'm riding around my city with my hands strapped on my toes. Cause these niggas want me dead, and I gotta make it back home. Cause my mama need that bill money, my son needs some milk. These niggas try to take my life, they fuck around, get killed. You fuck around, you fuck around, you fuck around, get smoked. Cause these silly niggas I bought with me don't fuck around, no joke. No, all I know is murder. When it come to me, I got young niggas that's rolling, I got niggas throwing bees. I done did the DOA, I done did the KODs. Every time I'm in that bitch, I get to throwing 30 G's. But now I'm hanging out that drop head, I'm riding down no collar. They let my nigga earn back home, that young nigga be wildin'. We young niggas, we mobbin', like Batman and Wood Robin'. This two door made back, with my seat on reclining, I'm like, real nigga, what up? Real nigga, what up? If you ain't about that murder game, then pussy nigga, shut up. If you dip me in your ass, I get your pussy ass stuck up. When you touch down in my hood, no, that toy life ain't good. Catch me down in MIA, at that heat game on wood. With that puma life on my feet, like that little engine I could. Boy, I slide down in your block, bike on 12 o'clock. And they be throwing deuces on the same nigga they watch. And I'm the king of my city, cause I'm still calling them shots. And these lanes talking that bullshit, the same niggas that flop. I'm the same nigga from first three with them that brace that lock. The same nigga that came up and I had to wait for my spot. And these niggas hating on me, hoes waiting on me. Still on that hood shit, my Rolls Royce on E, they gon' remember me. I say remember me. So much.